1: Hi, B Nation! Welcome back to another edition—the first edition of Irish Breakdown Podcast in the year 2023. We had to kick off 2023 events with the OGs, man. So Woo! we had to get you on the show today. Yes, we're gonna have a little bit of fun today. So we're gonna kind of do wrapping up the 2022 season is kind of what we're gonna do this week. And so we're gonna have some some different aspects of that today is gonna be a really fun sort of an award show. We're gonna talk about who we thought were the top players and best moments and biggest wins and turning points and all that kind of stuff from the season later today at six o'clock we'll have an ivy nation sports talk show you'll see a lot of vince today and then at eight o'clock tonight vince and i are going to do our upon further review of the bowl game we have a lot to talk about the bowl game but honestly we were both pretty exhausted yesterday (laughs) uh me from travel vince from some other some other family stuff he had stuff going on so we uh we're going to move that tonight we'll kind of put a a bow on the bowl game because there's a lot to talk about with the bowl game once you break down the film. So we'll talk about that tonight, and then tomorrow we're going to into sort of grading the coach. Well, we'll kind of look at what we learned about Marcus Freeman as a head coach, like what we know, right? That we we can say definitively what we learned about him this year as a head coach that moving forward is going to be the foundation of what he can do. Then we will kind of get into sort of a, a breakdown of what needs to come next for Marcus Freeman and this football team and we're going to look specifically for him and the manner in which he's building the team not like they got to get better quarterback. That conversation will come. It's going to be more about Marcus Freeman as the head coach and then we'll kind of grade the assistant coaches. So we'll do some of that this week and then of course Friday Vince Mailbag time. <sighs> Can't wait. So so that's going to be our week and then Saturday may we may bring back a show that we did over the summer with me and Sean Davis. We'll see if that's going to start this week or next week that RCC uh, um uh, what was it it was um RTCF show, right? Recruiting, team, football. <laughs> so we're going to try to bring that back this weekend as well. Ryan Roberts is down in Texas right now for the Army All-American Bowl. It's those to the All-American Bowl now, Vince. They got rid of the Army part, which is lame. But uh, he'll be down there. So he's actually, every night, he's going to have updates on the board. He's going to have articles updating how practice went, And then every night, he's going to record a show that we'll publish at night that is going to be about 15, 20 minutes, just kind of breaking down what he saw from the Notre Dame kids at the, at the army, at the all america bowl that today. So obviously there's seven Notre Dame players down there. Three of them are not, likely awesome. not going to participate. Uh, Charles Jagasal is going to have a little off season surgery. Rico Flores is coming off of an injury. I'm not sure about Kenny Minchie and whether or not he's going to perform, but we'll still have plenty, plenty to discuss from that. So that's busy week, man. We're diving right into yeah,
2: 2023
1: head first, man.
2: And, <laughs> and to, I was Go just ahead. gonna say it was funny. Last night you and I were on the phone and we were talking. It was just like there's almost like old times like, okay, what's this week gonna look like? Okay, yeah. we're gonna do this show this week, this show this day, this show this day. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Like I I'm yeah. I'm really looking forward to this week. I was just looking at the week, I was like, Man, I don't have a whole lot going on. Yeah, well, that's not the case anymore. So I'm yeah. fired up. Get to do a bunch of shows with you, and uh it's it's the OG, man. Like, this yeah. is gonna be a lot of fun. I'm 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 stoked. Three shows today. We'll see if I have the same feeling you yeah. know, by about ten o'clock tonight. But
1: Well, and there's just so much to talk about and, and yes. so much to wrap up. And that's going to be the fun part of what we're going to do is is we're going to dive into this. We'll get into replacing our loads as, about guys that are being gone. We'll talk about oh, yeah. breaking down the offensive, defense areas that got to get better or got to improve. And there's going to be know, a we'll ton
2: of news, I'm sure. That we're tons gonna and tons about. of stuff. So I mean, it's going to be fun.
1: January is going to be a blast. And so we're not going <laughs> to talk about it all in this in this game. So here's what we're going to ask right. you all to do in the chat we're going to kind of go through these and what we would like you all to do is stick to the topics of what we're discussing today because we want to have some fun with you guys engaging with you so we're going to kind of go down each we're going to start offense then go defense and then we'll kind of hand out a specialist the year then we'll go team mvp then we'll talk about some team awards biggest win toughest loss turning point biggest play all this kind of stuff but what we want y'all to do is we want you guys to stay with us right so don't be chatting about the games that are going on those are fun i mean you can a little bit but like we want y'all to kind of interact with us. If you have mailbag questions, just put mailbag on there and then you can leave that down because we we'll have a mailbag in. But we want to kind of hear from y'all too, Vince. And that's what we want to do is yeah. we want to kind of here's the topic and here's the here's the criteria. And we want we'll make our picks, but we want to hear what your picks are yeah, as well. Absolutely. And that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. So I love the comment down there uh, about having uh, haven't listened to y'all all year. <laughs>
3: <laughs> very true. Very Come true. Come on back.
1: So Vince, we're gonna we're gonna start off with the offense. And on offense, we're gonna start off kind of we'll lead to we'll finish with the most outstanding player. But we're gonna start off with kind of best newcomer this year. And for us, newcomer is a true freshman or a transfer. It is not a redshirt freshman because that guy is not a newcomer to the football team. And right offensive events this year, there weren't really a lot of options. There weren't well, that's a the lot thing. of you guys to so, kind of play this year.
2: I'm sitting there and I'm trying to think. About true freshmen or transfers, either one that played offense this There's year. Only three:
1: it's the two tight ends and Tobias Merriweather. That's right. it.
2: And th- therefore, it makes this one kind of easy, at least in my opinion, on where to go. And I thought about the tight ends, but they and they played, but they didn't play enough to really make an impact. And frankly, you could say the same thing about Tobias Merriweather. But the right. impact that he made for me, is he scored a touchdown, and it was sure. granted he had one catch he had one touchdown a Big catch it was a big catch <laughs> right. and it was in a loss uh what ended up being a loss but at the time it was a huge catch and you know we were hoping that that was going to be the beginning of you know the rest of the season for him and then of course he got injured and then i, I don't know anything it looked like he wasn't 100% in the bowl game uh so he didn't have any catches there so he had so a year he
1: got He he looked good early in that game, and if you look at what happened on the play where he uh, he was open in the end zone for what should have been a touchdown, and the ball got thrown low, and he dove, he looked like he jammed his knee up, and he just didn't run right after that. But like before that, he was running pretty good. Yeah, he just wasn't running right after that. But but the rowdiest is is they didn't really have anybody anybody else to well throw the ball to at that. That's a fact.
2: And I I just we're we're talking about impact. We're talking Mm -hmm. about you know. He obviously made an impact in the chat. I mean, let's let's be honest. It's all we ever heard, you know, was Tobias this, Tobias that. So, for me, most outstanding newcomer has to be Tobias Merriweather, number one, for lack of choices. And number two, he did score a touchdown. He's 100% as far as catching the ball and scoring a touchdown. So, that, that's mine.
1: Just so people know, we there will be guys that will win multiple awards. We are going to do our best to kind of pick who we think were the best at those categories. So you are able to pick a, a player at multiple positions. So the MB, we will not have a offensive MVP and a defensive MVP. We would have a team MVP. Right. We're doing most outstanding on offense and defense, and we'll have some other reasons why we're not doing valuable because we have things like the best leader and you know things like that. So there will be multiple guys. So offensively, Vince, I'm totally fine with Tobias. I'm going to go with Eli Raritan, or excuse me, uh, Holden Stace, though. Okay. And here, really, here's why. He was sort of the last man standing, <laughs> right? I mean, he's the one guy that yeah. stayed healthy all year. I thought he did a, he, he really improved as a blocker as the year went on. I think you could have made a case for Eli Raritan because how good his blocking was, but he didn't finish the year, and he didn't make any, any impact in the pass game, right? And so his, his impact was in a very short period of time because he didn't play early, then he played a couple games, got hurt, and then he was out. So I can't yeah. I can't, in good faith, go with him. Tobias, similar thing. If Tobias would not have had the concussion issue down the stretch and missed the last few games, I might have gone with him because I think he would have caught passes in there. I do too. <clears throat> but I'm giving Holden Stay some high marks for staying healthy. I'm um, yep. giving Holden Stace for for high marks for continuing to improve in the pass game. He had a very clutch catch against BYU, if you remember. So he had the he didn't score, but he had the same number of yeah. catches.
2: Yeah, yeah. As,
1: as him and and didn't he catch a two point conversion against BYU? Am I am I misremembering that? Oh, I'm I, not I sure. I thought I remember him catching a two point conversion that game, but I could be completely wrong on that one. Uh, but I but I thought I remember. I'm looking up the the box score now, so. Uh, yes, no two-point conversion failed for Notre Dame. So that's why they had that one. So I just remember him catching a ball near like near the goal line, but it must have been the the play he had in that game. But he did catch a very clutch pass that game. I thought his blocking improved as the year went on. And so that's why I'm going holding Stace. And okay. like you said, uh there weren't a lot of options, right? I, I think the guy right. that would have got the award if he didn't get hurt was Jadarian Price.
2: Yeah, I agree. That with that
1: that, that would have been the guy for me. Yeah. I think it would have been Jaden Price, if not for the injury, because he he might have been the top back. Look, I talked to a couple sources that are very close to the offensive side of the ball, who said that during spring he was their best. He was their best, off, or he, their best running back,
2: which is scary. Better than
1: Tyree. Better than um, now. Estime was banged up, right? Because remember, he was he had a little. He was kind of limited. Logan Diggs w- was a little bit limited. But he was their best running back in the spring. So I think it probably would have been him, but I am going with Holden Stace, okay? We're gonna stay on offense, Vince, and yes. we're gonna go with the breakout player. And this can be a guy that is a it can be a newcomer if it's if it's ap- appropriate, but it's sort of a guy that didn't really see a whole lot from in the past that kind of became sort of a difference maker, a guy that kind of you know put his name on the map this year. For Notre Dame, again, we're kind of going with the offense here, Vince. So who is your breakout player for 2022?
2: I'm still on the again, fence. Again, real quick. Go ahead. Folks, yes, yes. we
1: are talking about the offense first. <laughs> yes, Then we'll do the defense. Correct. So it's like every answer is Benjamin Morrison so far from people. This is the <laughs> offense. Okay, This is the offense. This is what I remind you all. We're talking offense yeah. here. So who is your breakout player, Vince?
2: on offense you know this one for me i've i'm on the fence between two guys and and i'll tell you why so my my first inclination was to go with logan diggs and you know he he obviously ran the ball last year i mean he had 52 carries for 230 230 yards which is great i mean that's that's awesome but you know he averaged um you know 28 yards a game this year 822 yards averaged almost 70 yards a game. I thought that his I felt like his game rounded out much better this year, you know, than it did last year. He had six catches last year. He had ten catches this year. The difference is he had four times the amount of yards this year as he did last year. Um, I, I just felt like he became more of a complete back. I felt like he became more of a guy that you can count on. At times he was the number one back for Notre Dame. Uh, so I I had him as, as my breakout and my other breakout I had, and I know this is cheating having two guys, uh, but was, it was Joe, it was Joe alt, Joe Alt. granted. He's not going to be able to come up with stats, you know, except for like sacks given up, you know, things like that. But he was on a bunch of all America lists, you know, all of these different things. We saw a lot of what that could be last year. And I think he, broke out this year i mean he was on a he was a freshman all-american last year but he was a legit all-american most of the time second team but he was a legit all-american this year and so, as a sophomore as a true sophomore so to me that's the death that's also a definition of a breakout player so kind of had to i know that's cheating but i had digs and alt. i was
1: torn see alt to me i i i, I think your criteria is perfectly fine I think if you're going to go with one of those two guys, it's if you, if you're going to count Alt as part of a breakout player, I think it's hard for me to not pick be him be the choice, you know. But I didn't have him as as a breakout because I thought he was so good last year, yeah. and because he was he was a freshman All American, and and there was I mean we kind of anticipated him kind of growing up, at least for me. So my expectations for Joe Alt maybe unfairly, or that he would become kind of what he became. <laughs> I know, you know what right? I mean. So that might be unfair. I mean, I get that, though. I yeah. get where you're coming so from. So it might be unfair, but that's the reason he's not in it for me. I really yeah. came down for me, came down to three guys. It came down to Audrick Estimate, Logan Diggs, and it came down to Jaden Thomas. Because, I mean, it, Estimate even, we only saw him really in, in two games last year as a ball carrier, played a bunch. We didn't see our, anything of Jaden Thomas last year. And by the end of the year, he was their best receiver. Uh, you know, I mean, just I from a consistency standpoint. So it was really, th- to me, it was those three. I'm going to try to not give one guy all the awards, which is going to be hard. So yeah, it, know. there's going to be some kinds of like, well, how can you pick a guy there? But then you pick this guy over here. So just keep in mind with some of these, I'm, I'm going with some different players, but I, I'm going to have to go with Audrick Estime on this one. Okay. Just because, uh, and I also know why you're not picking him here because you have him for another category. But for me, right. You know, Logan Diggs, it's almost kind of like with Logan Diggs, I didn't pick him almost unfairly because, number one, I'm going to have him in a different category. But, number two, it, it's it's kind of like we we saw glimpses of this last year. I think it's just more of he was used more this year. I think that was kind of really the the difference for me was, okay, we just saw his role increase this year than it was last year. With Audrick, it was kind of like, well, we really don't know what to expect from him because um, – He just, because of all the other guys at the position, and we didn't see him a whole lot last year, and for him to break out, he led the team in rushing this season with 920 yards, averaged 5.9 yards per carry, which is almost a full yard greater uh, than Logan Diggs. He had 11 touchdowns, uh, rushing touchdowns, and he had 12 total touchdowns. You know, kid was almost a 1,000-yard rusher and and would have had 12 touchdowns if he didn't have his own little fumble he had a he had some fumbling issues at one point time but also i love the fact that he bounced back from that and never put the ball on the ground again he got benched against what was it uh unlv that he got benched against them was that the game he got benched for a fumble and came back from that just i mean just a completely different player And that says something to me too, Vince, when you're a young player and you face adversity, and you're going to hear us talk about this a lot this week. He faces adversity. He comes back the next game. He only has three carries for 17 yards against UNLV because of the fumble. Comes back the very next game, goes for 20 carries, 123 yards, two touchdowns, comes out against Clemson, goes for 104 yards and a touchdown, and it's kind of like, that's what I want to see.
2: Well, and you
1: get benched because yeah. your mistakes, and you come back the next two weeks, and you have your two best games of the year. That tells me that's a kid that's got it up here and here. Not just the physical talent, but he's got the mind and he's got the heart to be a, to be a, a, an outstanding player. And I thought, I thought it was because people said the Stanford. Stanford was one of the games he fumbled against North Carolina. He fumbled against Stanford. It was the UNOV fumble that was kind of the final straw where the staff pulled him out and didn't put him back in. Right, that's what we're referring to, and
2: I and I will also say, if I'm not mistaken, the first play of the game, the following game where they put him back in, they handed him the ball.
1: First two ball, first two like, plays.
2: It was like okay, because we talked about that a lot going into that game, how we wanted him to get back in there. But you know, if we're talking about last year's staff, that kid is in the doghouse the rest of the yep, year. We we'll see him again. What does that look like this year? I mean, there was a lot of question marks around Audric Estime and what the coaching staff was going to do with him first two plays of the game they feed him the ball i was like okay this is a different staff and so it said a lot to me about the staff yep. it said a lot to me about Estime yep. and what they were able to do with him and you're 100 right the reason i don't have him here in this category is because i have him in another category uh Pretty big as watch. well as well yeah. as uh Jayden thomas as well he's in a different right. category for me too so i tried to spread the love a little bit but i have no problem with you pick an Audric here. I mean, well, he thanks. was a workhorse stud for this offense. I mean, I this offense that. isn't what it is without Audric Esme. Yes,
1: that's absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. So, Vince, let's go to the next category, and that is Notre Dame's best big man. This yeah. can be a offensive lineman or a tight end. And I'm going to I think I'm I mean, let's just kind of dive into it. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I I think it's kind of for me, I I'm going to do with this one what you're going to do for another award. So I'm gonna let you kick off with the best big man
2: for Notre Dame award. So- this year. You can say a lot about the offensive line and what they did for Notre Dame. And, and obviously I talked about Joe and what he did. And I mean, you can talk about Jarrett Patterson. You can talk about the improvement of Zeke Corral. You, I mean, there's a million different routes that you could go with this and I would not have much of an argument, but any category that allows you to have the tight end involved, I'm sorry. I have to go with Michael Mayer and he is my best big man. I mean, he is arguably, maybe not even arguably the best tight end to come out of a school that has produced the best tight ends ever. And that's certainly the something. most prolific. I mean, right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And look at there things that he needs to work on in his game. No, no doubt about it, but I think he got better at those things as the year went on. It was disappointing some of his blocking at the beginning of the season. As and as It's hard to say he's was. got a lot more
1: to improve on by the end of the year. That's the thing you love, right? Yes. Cause you don't see a lot of guys that are established all American players that continue to work on their game
2: on this yeah. team. And he is also the most decorated guy on this team. And when you, and look, my Marcus Freeman has said this on multiple occasions, when you can have that person, the hardest worker and the best player is the same person. I mean, it's just like, you just kind of sit back and you just watch it happen. I mean, that's that's the best thing to have as a coach, right? So, again, anytime you can have the tight end involved in a topic, I'm probably going to take Michael Mayer. And I could make an argument for somebody else, but I, it, I would be fooling myself. So it's Michael Mayer for me.
1: Yes, you could say Michael Mayer, and it would make a lot of sense based on the criteria. But I'm going to have him for multiple other ones, and I just didn't <laughs> want this to be like the Michael Mayer award and show. And that's fair. I get that. So I'm actually going to go Joe Walt and I probably should have changed the criteria to just have it be alignment is what yeah, I should have done it, just too. to make it easier for for that but I'm going Joe Walt because again first or second team all-american across the board as steady as as you're going to find we'll talk a little bit about this in the in the show tonight but like I actually thought the South Carolina game was one of the worst games he played all year agree but in the second half in the fourth quarter he made two huge blocks in the run game that sprung runners open and it's kind of like that's what you want to see from a great player. Even when he's not on his A game, he still make him impact plays. Mm-hmm. And that's what I saw from Joe Walt. But just the steadiness from him all year was just really impressive for such a young player. And I had a chance to walk past his dad on Saturday or Friday going into the game. And you're like, okay, that's where he gets his height from. You know, obviously, his dad was a, <laughs> NFL. an all pro in the NFL. Yeah. But. Just the steadiness was impressive to me. And he got better and better as a run blocker as year goes on. And he's going to continue to improve as a run blocker just because he's going to get stronger. He's sure. You I mean, look at him in the face, man. He still
2: looks like a baby. Oh, he does. You know, Absolutely. I mean he, he might can, even he still put, be a teenager because he he's can only a put sophomore. So much more width on that frame, too. Yeah, you he'll know probably I mean? add another
1: five to ten pounds at least, and he's already three seventeen. Right. So, because he's just got a massive. He looks frame. like an athletic.
2: yeah, he like, is he's just tall and he's athletic. Well, he doesn't
1: look. He was two forty as a junior in high school and he's yeah. up to three seventeen yeah. now. So in a three year period, he less than a three year period he had added seventy pounds and yeah. he didn't miss a beat athletically, right, right. That's called great DNA. And it's also <laughs> called gaining weight yeah. the right way. You know, right. he didn't put fat on. he he got up to two seventy as a senior, didn't didn't slow down at all. So he's just a really impressive kid, Vince. I mean, yes. it, it's hard to it's hard not to go with him here. If, again, that was on me, I should have made it a O-line award. Cause, if that was the case. You're I mean, when you put the tight end in there, it's like, how do you not pick Michael Mayer? Well, I'm not picking Michael Mayer because I have him for several other sure. awards, and I'm right. going to use right. him then and right. I don't want this to be the Michael Mayer award show. Best offensive so, lineman,
2: it's Joe Alt hands down. Clear, easily. I mean, yeah, no easily. doubt about it
1: move on to the next category Vince and that is the best skill player at Notre Dame it could be quarterback running back or wide receiver and it really looks at trying to find a guy that impacts the game in a lot a lot of ways just an impact players for the offense Vince so let's go there let's go with okay. the best skill player yep for the so, Notre Dame offense so this is go. quarterback running, running back
2: or wide receiver wide right? receiver. yep now see and again I don't I don't want to repeat everything because this is a person that has already, we've already talked about, but I will go and I will talk about him a little bit. This is where I have Audric Estime. I have him as my top skill player uh, because he's, like I said, this offense isn't this offense without him. And you could say that about Michael Mayer, but his tight end is not part of this category. So quarterback, running back, wide receiver, I'm going with the most impactful running back that notre dame had and it's audric Estime. i mean he when he was on he was on and he is a load to bring down i mean for it's almost tempting as an offensive coordinator to just kind of go back and forth with logan diggs and chris tyree in the first half and then it's like halftime comes and you come out and they're you know a little winded they're a little you know the defense is a little broken down you know whatever and then you bring number seven into the huddle it's like okay yeah. uh, where do we tap out you know what i mean like well and we they did tap that tap early back? in the year
1: vince right i mean that was right. Estime's role early in the yes. year it's,
3: it's like, was where, just okay where do we
2: tap out here yeah. where's the white flag because there's no way right. i mean he would just punish defenses in the second half and the fourth quarter so i mean again the other running backs are really really good for notre dame there's no doubt about it but audric Estime is just a different guy he's my top skill player
1: i'm going with logan Biggs here and, and the reason I'm going with Logan Diggs is because I'm looking at the ability for him to impact the game in so many different ways and we're going to talk about some of the plays he made this year Vince but you're talking about a guy that this season caught also not only had over 800 yards rushing right he was their number two leading rusher this year at 822 yards rushing you look at the the ability for him to kind of make an impact in the run game ability to make an impact in the pass game you know Audric estimated this year had three 100 yard seasons Logan Diggs this year had three 100 yard games, or he had I said seasons 100 yard games. Uh, he had a, a you know big game against Clemson, also had over 100 yards. You know everybody talks about how good Estimate was in that game, and he was, but Logan Diggs rushed for more yards in that game. Now, he was their leading rusher that game, not not Audrick Estime. He was huge, great against Boston College, and he was absolutely huge in the the South Carolina game. And they both were, but Logan obviously made plays in the run and pass game. So. I'm going with Diggs as the best all-around skill player on offense, and and you know you could have made a case case for Chris Tyree because sure. he was so impactful in the run and pass game, but he just didn't do enough in either category to be there for me, uh, and and so that's why I'm going with Logan Diggs here, just the all-around nature of what he did, and the fact that you know you look at his production, and the reality is is he basically missed three games. I mean he. He carried the ball four times against Ohio State. He was clearly not himself. He carried the ball oh, seven yeah. times for seven yards against Marshall. He was clearly not himself. And then he just sat out the cow game with an illness. I just yeah. think he needed to get his shoulder right. Comes back against North Carolina. And that was a game where you kind of started to see, okay, they're going to use this cat a lot different. Yeah. You know, he rushes for 50 yards and then he catches three passes for 65 yards. You know, you saw it a little bit against USC as well. You know, he couldn't really get the run game going. He only had 34 yards rushing, but then he had 30 some receiving yards. And then in the bowl game, he has 81 receiving yards and 90 rushing yards. I mean, it just, that that all around nature is why I'm going with Logan Diggs for my best skill player. For I think we can,
2: we can both agree that the best skill player needs to come out of yeah. the running back. At no,
1: at no point in time so I, far have, have I argued with you that <laughs> no, it should be this guy. Sometimes. No, no, no. I, I, get I think it's great.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know if you and I have agreed yet, yeah. but it's, there's reasons for it. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and you have guys at different spots and I have guys at different spots. Right. And that's, that's, well, and that's what makes
1: us fun. That's and that's fun. why I kind of try to leave this as broad as possible. Yeah. Some of the criteria just to have some fun with it. Absolutely. So let's kind of go with a, that. So that was kind of best scale and specific things. We're going to kind of get into some other aspects of, of the player of the year's awards now, and let's go with who is the best leader for the Notre Dame offense this year. We have a little bit of a difference on this one. Uh, I want you to kick it off and kind of talk about, because this is the one that I'm going to somewhat push on just a little bit, but who is your best leader? Oh, you can year?
2: push. And I understand. I know why you're going to push on. Yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, because you're going to push on it because of the Marshall game. And I, and I or the, And the fact that the he missed, a, you know, missed the game, right. Of, of, of the Marshall game or yeah. the post game of the Marshall game. And I, and I totally get that. I, I get that. I, I come at this. And of course we're talking about Jarrett Patterson, the, uh, the guard for the Notre Dame offense. And the reason I go there, I was good. I was honestly I was going to go Michael Mayer on this, and I was like, you know what? Again, I don't want this to be the Michael Mayer show. I want to think outside the box just a little bit. And I went with Jared Patterson because, and I, this is going to sound like it's a slight towards Isaiah Foskey and it's a slight towards Michael Mayer, but part of it was because he played in the game on Friday right. and that means a lot to me and i yeah. know that's a super old school way to look at things i get it and i i will be the first one to admit it that that is not 2022 thinking i get it but it's how i think and yeah he wanted to play in this game and i and he never thought twice about it at least based on what he said in the press conference he's like yeah he was pretty clear about that yes he's like this is another opportunity for me to play with my guys there's no chance I wasn't going to play in this game and that I I literally sat back and I smiled when I heard that quote and I was like yes that's what a leader is that's who I want on my team and I like the fact that a leader can come from the offensive line I think those guys are just steady they work hard they're guys now I know where you're going to push back and I, I was, well, let me, let me
1: just, let me just kind of say mine, you know, let me
2: actually give Mm -hmm. my pushback.
3: Okay. My
1: pushback, my picks Michael Mayer and and, and I've got a lot of reasons why my pushback for you is I'm, I'm not pushing back to say Jarrett Patterson wasn't a leader. He was, it's just, when you're talking about specifics, there's gotta be some things that become deal breakers for you. And that was one for me that, that was, you know, he was the leader of the line, but the, 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 not only the, the way he acted after the Marshall game, but like you were one of the problems in the fourth quarter of that
2: game. No doubt about that.
1: Right. And and so, but he did bounce back from that and he did play in the game and I give him credit for that, but to get through the year, the best leader on the entire team to me, was Michael Mayer. And to me, a leader is someone who, who shows out in several ways. Number one is uh, impact player. He was clearly an impact player. He led with his play when they needed a play to be made. Michael Mayer made it. He led with his work ethic. like you've said, hardest work on the team. I've told stories about how I've talked to freshmen. I talked to a freshman of a parent, a parent of a freshman on defense who did not play this year in any meaningful manner. And he told me about a time during the summer where Michael Mayer knocks on the door of his kid and says, Hey, you're working out with me today. And. Showing leadership, like showing a young yeah. buck here, you know, who I he love that saw, story, he way. sees leadership potential in this kid. This is how I think it, why it, I think it happened. I think Michael Mayer saw this kid as a potential leader down the road. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to say, okay, I'm going to push this kid. I'm going to show this kid what it means to be a Notre Dame football player and a leader at Notre Dame. And that's why I think he did it. Because I think Michael Mayer understands the legacy he's leaving. I think too many young people today don't appreciate the history of the game of their school. It's just about yeah. me and getting mine and, and just sure. the now, especially
2: nowadays. Good yes. Lord. Yeah. And
1: I think Michael Mayer is one of those old school souls <clears throat> that understands the legacy that he stepped into and the legacy that he's leaving behind. He understands that my impact in Notre Dame's has got has to go. If I'm doing this right, has to go beyond my three years in South Bend. What am I leaving for the next generation? of Notre Dame players. And that's to me why he gets the edge, uh, from a leadership standpoint. And he was the guy that was willing to call out teammates during the season. He was the guy willing to say, Hey, look, this isn't good enough. And that's part of a leader too. And I think he wasn't alone, but he kind of just hit all the marks for me. Yeah. And I don't fault him for not playing in the ball game. I'm a, not a fan of people not playing in the ball game. He's the only play. I think Isaiah Foskey should have played yeah. Bruh, if Will Anderson's good enough to play. Or it's yeah. not too good to play in a ball yeah. game. You are not too good. To play <laughs> in the game, okay. Um, you know, and I thought he saw a lot to prove. With Michael Mayer, honestly, because he left everything out there for this team this year, I was like, you know what? I get it. I get, oh, I get it. it. And I also felt like there was an a, an aspect of, I actually think it was better for the team that he didn't play because it forced them to look yes. to their next guys. That I don't think see, that was the case for Isaiah Foskey. When
2: When we're looking big picture and we're looking at this offense, and when I was looking at the offense going into this game, there was part of me that was happy that Michael Mayer wasn't playing. No doubt about it, especially from a looking
1: forward to next yes. year stand. And
2: then that's right. what I'm referring to, like going into right. spring and going into what this offense could look like minus Michael Mayer. Like we got an opportunity to see that on a Friday. Right. And I think that was really, really good. Not only for whoever's going to be quarterback, but I think it was also good for the other wide receivers. I think it was good for the tight ends. Like it was good for everybody on the offense I think it was even good for Tommy Reese, if we're being honest, because mm-hmm. he didn't have that security. Look, you, you've you been part of a, a play-calling situation where your input is valued, right? There is instinct when it's nut-cutting time. It's like, we got to go to 87. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you call play for your best player, whoever yeah. that happens to be. That That's a fallback. Now, good play callers go against that tendency, and that works out, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. But, man, when you need a play to be made, it's hard to go against a guy that you know is going to make a play nine times out of ten, right? And so I think it was even good for Tommy Reese not to have Michael Mayer in this game.
1: Yeah. I agree. Although I have a feeling that Tommy Reese might have been able to use him in some ways in this game. But you worry about would Tyler Buckner have looked at him as a security blanket, and he didn't have that in this game. And that's really what it kind of comes down to for me. Yes. So we talked about the leader, Vince. Let's talk about the biggest surprise. Now, this is one of those ones that could be a positive or a negative. Most of this show is going to be about positivity, but Correct. this one is one where a, a negative aspect could come into play. So, Vince, as we look at what the biggest surprise from a player standpoint was this season,
2: let's go with your pick. So, I was tempted to go. The, I was tempted to take a turn to negative town on this one, but I decided to stay positive and. This one may surprise some people as far as the biggest surprise. I I went with Deion Colsey, okay? And then when you look at his stats, they're not amazing by any stretch of the imagination. He started one game, he had nine catches, 192 yards, you know, one touchdown. He averaged 16 yards a game, okay? I mean, that's not, those aren't numbers of a number one receiver. But I felt like the reason I picked him here is because I think he was forgotten about by a lot of people, a lot of fans forgot about Dion Colsey, in my opinion, going into the season because they had their new toy and Tobias Merriweather. You had Jaden Thomas, who everybody was talking about in the off season as well, because he had such good bowl practice. Remember that? Remember? Remember mm-hmm. the conversation we had about his bowl practices and how? Oh, he show out in the Fiesta Bowl. Seventy-five
1: and- percent of the people in this chat <laughs> had written off Deion Colsey after this right. first his first spring game.
2: Yes, exactly. And I felt like because he, was he a wasn't an early
1: enrollee right? Correct. I don't believe. So last and this past spring was his first spring game. People were writing right. him off.
2: People were writing him off.
1: And even though he would have had two touchdowns if the quarterback didn't <laughs> miss him by a mile on two
2: time. throws. Well, and and he had, you know, when he was out there as a true freshman, the couple of times he got out there in the fall, he looked lost. I yeah. don't blame Deion Colsey for that. Man, okay. There's a, a a partial percentage where you can blame him true. and that's fine. I blame coaching. I do. And so it felt like this year was a bit of a, a situation for him where he he was able to have a redemption year. And so he was a surprise for me in a good way. And I felt like he became he started to become uh, a, a bit of a third down security blanket a little bit for Drew Pine there, the second half of the season. Made some plays on third down. I mean, all of a sudden he was the guy to go to not name Michael Mayer on third down, and I thought he did a good job. Now, he didn't have any catches in the South Carolina game. Okay. I mean, that's fine. I get that. But at the same time, I felt like he took a nice step forward where he is going to be a nice building block for this wide receiving route, right? Receiving core. Yeah. He's going to be a junior. I really was intrigued by the Dion Colsey, Tobias Merriweather package that they started Jane
1: Thomas in the slot. Yeah, yeah. Was,
2: I, I like that. group. That needs man. to be
1: the starting lineup next I year. In
2: completely my agree with you. And so yeah. let's see where this goes. But he was a nice surprise for me for this season. Yeah. I'm gonna go with a little bit of a
1: negative one. I really anticipated Lorenzo Styles was gonna be their best receiver this year. Yeah. I thought he was gonna have a real I thought he's gonna have a seven, eight hundred plus year season. And then he starts the season off like, yep, I was right, nailed that one with a 54 yard gain against Ohio State, and then yep. did nothing positive the rest of the year. I mean, he really didn't. It was it was really I've never seen, I mean, I've heard a sophomore slumps Vince. But for for Lorenzo, it was just it was really strange yes. to see how he performed and then to him to just disappear really in the last eight games, uh, you know, to the point where the only time he can really make a play in the second half of the year is if they threw him a ball behind a line of scrimmage because that's the only thing he could catch. I mean, it was the drops. It was the apathy. Yeah. I mean, you and I are sitting there in the Marshall game and I'm like, kept, how many times I look at you and like, did you watch him run that route? He's jogging. Like he knows he's not going to get the ball. So he's just half assing it off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Like it was so disappointing to see that. And then it then the drops got in his head. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he played hard against South Carolina. That's what that was a positive. I thought he played hard against South Carolina. And that was that was good to see, but I don't think he caught a pass.
2: Now he and, had one go off his face because I think there was a little bit too much steam on it, but he still should have caught it. Well, the, was that him or Stace? I thought that was him at the like, that was very, stased. very beginning of the game. Yeah, uh, there was, yeah, there was one behind him on
1: the second play of the game. One was behind him that maybe he should have caught, but it was also not a very good ball. And as a former quarterback, I, you know, right. if, if I if the guy's got to make, you know, as a former quarterback, that's on me. As a receivers coach, I'm like, bro, you got to make that catch. Yeah. But. Right, right. You know, but just not getting open, not playing with any emphasis, not playing with any urgency. Just if he wasn't getting the ball, just have, you know, just it was such a disappointing season. Yeah. And he still caught thirty passes for over three hundred yards, right? I mean, that just shows his talent. I think that right? actually it surprises just, me.
2: That I, yeah, if I had looked up the stats. I think that actually yeah. surprises me.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of it he had sixteen after four games. He had nineteen after five games. I mean, so he, you know, he he didn't do he didn't do his. I mean, he should have had a lot more. But yeah, I just was, I was very disappointed by his not just his play but his effort for a good chunk of the year and his, and his focus and his attitude. And you hear some things behind the scenes and you're just like, man, this, this kid's got to figure it out. Cause he's got too much talent not to be playing better than he did. Yeah. And I really thought he was going to play well in the bowl game. And um, he didn't really play. Well. He played hard, but he didn't play well in the bowl game. And uh, that's why he wasn't the guy who was getting, getting <laughs> targeted. Yeah. In
2: my opinion. That's so. how it goes though. Yeah.
1: So that's biggest surprise. Let's get back onto some fun things. So these last few, okay. And the set, next one is the comeback player of the year on offense. Now, comeback can mean one of two things, and and I'll kind of set up yours a little bit. Comeback can mean sort of coming back throughout the year, but where where I kind of viewed it is more so coming back based on how last year went, whether it's a really bad year or an injury, that kind of thing. So, Vince. Yep. Who is your offensive comeback player of the year?
2: So I did take this a bit of a different direction uh, than I think you intended me to go, but correct. <laughs> but I don't care. Uh, no, for for me, it was to me coming comeback year. Of course, is about the, you played like crap last year. You're playing great this year. You had an injury last year. You're not you're not injured this year, and you played well. However, the case may be, right? That's that's usually what comeback player of the year is.
1: For me, and this that's year, what it was for the person who created the list. <laughs> no,
2: that's fine. For me, <laughs> it was coming back from an injury, but it was all encapsulated into sure. one season sure. and it's Tyler Buckner. I, yeah. I I thought the fact that he played in this game at a hundred percent, I think is amazing. Number one. Uh, I think that the manner in which he played was really, really good. I mean, Yes. We, I don't, I don't really want to dissect his game and what have. I don't want to go down that road because I know what people in the chat are going to do. So I, I want to take a breath on that. And I, but I just want to say the injury that he had after a game and a half of the season to not have played in three months to come back and mm-hmm. play the game that he played, I think is impressive. I, I think it's really, sure. really impressive. And so it, that one, it's Tyler Buckner for me as far as comeback on the offensive side of the ball. I, To put up 500 plus yards, 45 points, be responsible for five offensive touchdowns—that's that's 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 impressive. And uh, I'm going with Buckner here.
1: So Vince went with comeback player of the game. Uh, I'm going to go with comeback (laughs) player of the year. (laughs) Uh, And the comeback player of the year is, to me, it's a no-brainer. It's the Correll. And Zeke was was a little banged up last year, but he was so bad last year when he played. He started the season at left guard. For those who maybe don't remember, Zeke started last year at left guard, did not play well, was brutal by middle of the year, had gotten benched.
2: Terrible. He bent, and, and, and rightfully so.
1: Rightfully benched. I mean, he was not good. And so what does he do? Uh, he comes out this year, and he plays so well in the spring that Notre Dame decides to move Jarrett Patterson to guard. That, that's how well he played in the spring. Then he comes out in the fall, and the first couple games, it's, it's rough. It's rough. It's rough. It's bad. And it looked like, oh, same as last year. But by the fourth or fifth game, he was really good. And you could make a case that he the debate for who the number two – somebody asked, well, we're surprised that neither of us picked Blake Fisher. Here's why. You can make an argument that – Zeke Carell is in the com- is is more in the conversation for who was the second best lineman on the team this year, than than Blake Fisher would be for the being the best lineman. Like to me, like Zeke Carell is in the conversation for best lineman wow. behind Joe Walt this year. That includes Jarrett Patterson. And that includes Blake Fisher because of the consistency after the first couple weeks was really good. The leadership he he showed uh, this season to me was also really just impressive to me. Um, the steadiness with which he played, the competitiveness with which he played. He was the polar opposite of what he was last year. Blake would have been a good choice, and I'd have been fine with that because of Blake coming back from the injury uh, and only playing two games. And, and I'm fine with people to do that pick, and I'd see some people win with Blake, and that's totally fine. But to me, I, Zeke's thing of how bad he was last year to how good he was this year, is what he what gave the pick for me and and i think blake would have been a good pick i think josh lug could have been a good pick for this one you know because and i'll have i'll have something on josh lug here in a little bit um there's other guys that you could go with on this one vince for for sort of that comeback aspect of of the award but for me it's just it i have to go with zeke correll because of to see that kind of 180 as a player you don't see that very often when guys are seniors you see that like a guy who has a rough freshman or sophomore year gets better but Zeke's just and it started in the spring and having him at center so helped solidify that line it really did because now you put a stud like Jarrett Patterson out at guard and you know that's why your line became what it was Notre Dame went for over 200 rushing yards this year seven times or at least they went for at least 220 rushing yards this year seven times in 13 games the last team to do that 2013 or excuse me 2017 right well there's a couple coincidences or a couple things that go in, you know, these things have in common, right? Coaching. But, and we thought you, I think you might've even said this first. One of the people that would benefit the most from Harry coming back. I think this was a comment you made uh, when Harry first got hired, Vince, was Zeke Corral. Mm-hmm. And that was so, it ended up being so mm-hmm. accurate because they, he showed faith in Zeke. Yeah. He didn't worry about last year's film. He went with, this is what you're doing for me. And Zeke rewarded him with just a heck of a year, yeah. a heck of a year for Notre Dame. And uh, that's why he gets the award for me. But I think this could have – I think you could make a case. And some people, like I said, some people picked uh, Blake Fisher. Some people picked – I saw somebody have Josh Lug. There's other guys you could have gone. Vince with Vince with Tyler Buckner. But uh, I think Zeke Carell the pick for me. He's the Fair pick enough. for me. I
2: like it. I like it.
1: So the last offensive award. We're not doing MVPs for offense and defense. We'll have one team MVP. And we're going to do most outstanding. And this is exactly what it is. It's basically your best player. It's your most outstanding player. Who is the guy that you look at and say, boy, this guy was just better than everybody else? Vince is going to go in a different direction here than I think well, most people think. So, unless I, you're well ready to yeah. change your mind.
2: Well, the way you just described it again, it's like he's just better than everybody else. Like, well, I, I mean, can't. that's what
1: most outstanding means. I know. Right? I mean, and I,
2: I was trying to spread the award around. I get you. And all You've
1: already things. see, can. if If you don't spread, if you don't change your pick, then you're going to give the guy you picked more awards than you're going to know, give the guy that I picked, which is why
2: I can't do it. I realized okay. that as I was going back okay. over my list, right? Okay. Because good. what I the way I like to do these lists, to be honest with you, is I I go with gut. So like I read it, I'm like, yes, right. this kid, like, oh yeah, this kid. I you can't. I don't know how you can go with anybody else but Michael Mayer. He was by yeah. far the best offensive player on this team. He was the offense for a good majority of the season. He was the offense and. The fact that a tight end is your offense says how good he is. I mean, and this was a a decent offense. I mean, they put up a decent amount of points. They they won nine games this year, eight with him. I mean, the fact that a tight end is the focus of your off is the focus of your offense with all the talent that Notre Dame does have. That just uh, you can't pick anybody else. I'm sorry.
1: Agree. So just for the record, Vince originally had Audrick Estime as his pick. Because, because there's another reason why, we'll get to later, of why he had that. But yeah, I think it's easily Michael Mayer. I mean, right. best tight end in the country. Yeah. Most prolific tight end in the history of Notre Dame football, which is saying a lot. Yeah, Developed into an outstanding blocker. Uh, he team did. leader. So he, he produced. He played hard. He was a leader. He was clutch. You know, I mean, he did everything you expected a great player to be. Yes. And so, yeah, it's Michael Mayer. That's yeah. that's that's easily a big one for me. We're going to have one last offensive award, Vince, before we jump to the defense. And this is, this is not a positive or a negative per se. It's self-explanatory. The biggest regret, the biggest regret that you have from the offensive side of the ball, it can be a play. It can be a player. We're going to kind of focus on a player that you have for the 2012. Well, we actually have two more
2: the 2022 season. So my biggest regret, and this is a pretty easy one for me was the inconsistent use of Chris Tyree. And I know this is Sean Steyer's favorite topic on the planet uh, with rightfully so, because he would, you know, bang, he would bang on this topic. Why are you not getting him involved? Why are you not getting him involved? And then they got him involved and it was amazing. And then they just stopped using him again. Like it, 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 I just it 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 was one one of the most perplexing things of the season for me, and I felt like that it was a missed opportunity. I Chris Tyree is a missed opportunity offensively for this team, and you know if he stays. Great if he goes, I get it, man. Like I get it, I understand it because we've seen glimpses of it being so freaking good and being able to be used in such creative ways, and then they just forget that he's there and they just try to run him between the tackles. And it's like, okay, so that's my biggest regret, no doubt about it.
1: Can I can I pose a thesis on that? Because I think it's a it's a part of me wonders, Vince and I could be completely wrong on this, but part of me wonders if they were worried about him holding up over the course of the year. And that's why he didn't get a lot of touches at times. They needed to keep him fresh, but but they wanted to have that in their bag. Because if you think about it, if people say, well, Tommy doesn't have faith in, in Chris Tyree. It's hard for me to go with that when you look at how he was used in some of the big games. Yeah. He was a focal point of the Carolina game plan. He was a big part of what they did against Clemson. Yeah. Part of me wonders if he was like, dude, we need him against Clemson. So I don't want to get him hurt against you and And they,
2: they used him on against, the perimeter against South Carolina. Right,
1: right. Like, they had some, some nice plays lined up for him early against BYU. Drew just missed him. Remember, the, the, and then he had a drop on another one. Yeah. Part of me wonders if that was it, Vince, if it was maybe that. I don't have any proof of that. It's just a wondering because yeah. I, I, it's like, why would you use him in the big games and then not other games? Right. It was always something that puzzled me. So anyway. I think you could have gone with that. I think you could have gone with not playing Tobias Merriweather earlier and more often. I think that's one that I thought about. Uh, there was a couple others that you could get into sort of like game plan type things. I don't want to get into that right now. I'm going to use kind of player. Mine, though, is Avery Davis, that we didn't get to see Avery Davis this year. Oh ah, Yeah, Because I think Avery Davis could have contended with Michael Mayer for best leader. Yeah. Oh, I think he yeah. would have been a clutch player. I think it would have, you know, I think by the end of the year, we would have seen Jaden Thomas have the breakout, but I think Jaden kind of could have used that, that, that leadership a little bit early in the year. So I just see some things like that, Vincent, and, and I say, boy, I would have loved to have seen Avery Davis be this year. And I think Avery Davis would have been such a compliment to Michael Mayer for a kid like Drew Pine who didn't want to get the ball outside, who wanted to focus on the stuff over the middle, having a weapon like Avery Davis, and then you have Jaden Thomas, and then you have Michael Mayer, yeah, yeah. then you have the running backs. I think it would have really helped Drew out a lot. That's a good but point. But Avery was such a clutch player for Notre Dame. He was such a money guy. Third down, he was money. You know, game on the line, he was money, and he was a great leader. And I think his presence on the field could have been really good for Tyler early in the year as well. Could have really helped Tyler Buckner down, settled Tyler Buckner down against Ohio State Marshall, and just not having him was a bummer for me. I agree. It was a big bummer for me.
2: He he would have elevated that wide receiver room. I think no he would doubt, have elevated Drew's play,
1: and you could have flat right. out benched Lorenzo Styles. Yeah. Which was about the only thing that maybe could have snapped Lorenzo back to life because you couldn't, you didn't have the option to bench right. Lorenzo. There was literally right. no one to bench him for, right. especially November when Tobias was out. Yeah. So who are you going to put in? Right. You know, and, and so you'd have lost Eli in the tight end. You'd lost Kevin Bauman to tight end. You'd lost Avery Davis, at receiver. You, I mean, you didn't, you lost Tobias, a the receiver. There was really nobody else to put in. Mm-hmm. And so I think to me, that's why I go with Avery. He could have brought so much value. You could have gone with Jadarian Price. As an option here, him being hurt, but it's kind of like, it's hard for me to say that when you look at how good the running back room was, you know, so I'm going with Avery Davis. I think Avery Davis could have been money this year. I love it. Here's thing. the last one. And this is a bit of a fun one. What's the best storyline related to a player either at a moment or over the course of the year, something that maybe made you feel happy I kind of have two, Vince. I'm going to go with a game and then a the course of the season. Ooh. And so I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit and go with. That's two. okay. What was your best storyline? And this Sprung is this one, one so I everybody need. knows. I I sent this to Vince like ten minutes ago because <laughs> it kind of popped in my head of one I wanted to do and just kind of forgot to put on our list. That's so cool. if you want, I can start off, Vince. Well, you continue. I don't know that this if is the route. Know.
2: I don't know this is the route you want me to go, but I'm going here because I'm not. I'm having trouble coming up with anything else. So. I mean, the storyline offensively for me is the quarterback position and what happened and everything about what happened behind center, whether it was the quarterback competition in the fall that wasn't very close uh, and dealing with some of the other media members who didn't see it that way, which was perplexing to me. Sean, Sean Davis brought that up in our post game show on Friday night. I was just like, yeah, man, what were they seeing that we weren't seeing? But anyway, so you had that whole part of it. <clears throat> then you had you know, uh, Tyler Buckner getting hurt. Then you had Drew Pine stepping in, what he was able to do, what he was not able to do, the the highs, the lows, the peaks, the valleys, the nonsense that we were listening to and dealing with and the noise and all of that. And then to top it off, you've got Drew Pine transferring after the final game of the season and Tyler Buckner stepping in to be the starting quarterback after being out for three and a half months. Like that whole storyline, was just so many peaks and valleys, and just drove this entire season offensively. I mean, that's the storyline for me as the quarterback, and I and I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if that's the direction that you were thinking about, but that's the immediately the one that came in into my into my head.
1: It was meant to be kind of broad, okay, right? Like I mean, that's that's kind of that storyline, right? I wanted it to kind of be sure. that way. <clears throat> For me, I'm going to go kind of more player-centric on this one. And I've got the moment, and the moment was the final game for Brayden Lindsey. Because what you saw on Friday was just what he'd been doing all year. Running past people and getting open for potential big plays. All year. Like, all year. All year. And, And never got the ball. You still got fans thinking he stinks. You still got fans thinking he shouldn't play because he had a drop. And so he not Like, when was the last time you saw? I mean, he had he had the drop this year. Like, he didn't have drop problems last year. He didn't have drop problems in 2019 when they used him correctly. So he just became the a whipping boy for Notre Dame fans. And I don't know why fans tend to do this, but especially the ones that only watch on TV. Because if you still think you can evaluate receivers for oh. anything other than what happens when the ball comes to them off a TV copy, you, you're just you're just wrong. I said this to somebody the other day – well, Pete Sampson. I was talking with Pete – because Pete Sampson and I were sitting next to each other at the game on Friday. And when – I could just tell by his reaction to Braden's touchdown that he kind of had the same reaction that I did, which is, see, told you. And I kind of looked at him I was like, that dude should have had 1,000 yards this year. And he was like, yeah, he should have had 1,000 yards. I mean, it just – everybody that was at games consistently, Vince, saw that. You know? um, <laughs> So it was just kind of those things where like, if you were at the games consistently, you saw it every game. Braden Lindsey had a play like that at least two or three times. Yes. Every single game. Every single game. game. Every game. Yes. And, and he, and he never complained. He never pushed back. He never, he just, Hey, I'm, I'm doing my thing. Right. But when the moment came, He stepped up, and that play was big, but he had that clutch third down catch on the slant. What a great route that
2: was. Yes.
1: Like what we had been missing for years, you know, he's like stutters and then just leans that guy out hard, and that's what created the separation for the slant. You know, you had the reverse play, which was huge. You had the jet sweep early in the game where he had to bubble around the defensive end and then get vertical again to get those yards. I just love seeing it. But the storyline throughout the entire year for me is Josh Lugg. I was so happy for Josh Lug this year because, you know, he was another guy that for the offensive line last year was the whipping boy, even though you could argue um, he was their best lineman last year. Consistently, he was better than Jarrett Patterson most of last year. Who else would it have been? (laughs) You know what I mean? If it's not for Josh Lug. Pro football focus, I hate to even say this, had him as the highest graded offensive lineman last year, which doesn't say a lot because their grades suck. But, you know, I thought that he he was solid last year. He just had some bad moments that everybody just kind of globbed on to, oh, of right? Of course they did. And But he, he struggled to stay healthy his whole career, comes back for a sixth year, knows what he's getting from Harry Heastan, yeah. knows that he's not going to keep a starting job at right guard, knew he had to battle for a starting job at right guard, He had every reason in the world to say, nah, enough of this stuff. And he came back, and he was a really steady player yeah. for Notre Dame this year. I mean, you hardly ever heard his name get mentioned. He and gave the fact that a
2: shot at playing in, in yes, the future,
1: yes, he did because he stayed healthy. He, yeah. he was able to stay healthy, and he showed that he can play guard. His pass blocking inside a guard was outstanding this year. His run blocking at times was in, inconsistent from a technique standpoint, but his pass blocking inside was outstanding. So I just was happy for him. I got to know Josh a little bit during the recruiting process, and you always got to try to, you know, separate your critiques from the person and that can be hard sometimes. Right. But to, to, to know how bad he wanted this and to see him kind of come out and just be the steady player that he was this year was good to see. It was really good to see.
2: Absolutely. I've always been a Josh Lug fan and I, it, you know, I never doubted him as far as his ability and what he was able to do. Battling through injuries is always tough, especially as an offensive lineman, but he's another one of those guys that could have sat out the game. I mean, he had every reason to sit out the game, especially with his injury history. But he decided to play against South Carolina as well. And that, Mm -hmm. again, that says a lot about, you know, who they are. I mean, I I, I just, I've always just been a big fan of Josh Lug, the human. And -hmm. it's nice to be able to be a big fan of Josh Lug, the football player as well. Yeah. So I hope nothing but the best for him.
1: I think he was part of what was a really big storyline, which is the pettiness of me to say, I told y'all that offensive line coaching was the problem. <laughs> like It was so clear this year that that was the problem. I mean, I mean look this at the is such a better coach football team.
2: Look at the guys that you've brought up already. I but mean, technique
1: doesn't matter, Vince. Yeah, technique d- doesn't
2: matter. It didn't matter for Zeke. It didn't matter for Josh. You know, it doesn't matter any of that. So, right.
1: But that was my storyline there. <laughs>